0: After one of the most dramatic weeks in Irish legal history, we've been left with nearly as many questions as answers. Gerry Hutch was found not guilty at the Special Criminal Court of the murder of David Byrne in February 2016. The Regency murder trial and the consideration of the cases of those alleged to have been involved has taken nearly six months. Today, Paul Healy and Michael O'Toole take your questions and try to shed some light on what happened, why it did so, and what comes next. Today's podcast is the first part of a conversation that lasted for a couple of hours. So without further ado, here are the lads. All right, lads. How are you? Paul, how's things going? I'm good. I'm good. I'm well rested now at long last. Yeah, the listeners can't see this, but Paul actually has his hands in an ice bath from his frantic tweeting on, uh, on Monday. Mick, how are you?
1: <laughs> yeah, grand. Everything's good. Had a great week. It was fantastic watching and
0: writing about it. Super. Well, for for the listener, I was planning a dramatic surprise, but, um, you know, just to let you peek behind the curtain for a second, we've had to redo this take. So <laughs> here we are. Um, but I just wanted to uh, surprise the lads. I was doing a little bit of digging around the podcast last night um, in relation to both YouTube uh, and listens on the podcast and i realized that since the beginning of the hutch trial we have now hit one million listens hey so there you are wow don't let it go to your head. So i can see you i can see you getting all your feather bowers and turning into full divas and stuff but no we're, we're just the start thankfully <laughs> how do you feel sorry talk to my wow. agent
1: you'll have to talk to my agent
0: <laughs> you're like the yaya toure of the podcasting world
1: yeah well yeah oh that's great news oh we're delighted
2: that's fantastic Oh. Kudos to you, Kieran, getting them out, and like I, I just I can't believe the amount of people that have been listening to us, so thanks very much. We can't state how grateful we are for people uh, bothering to listen to Michael uh, for that long. I mean, I just don't know how, I don't know why he would want to do that, but thank you. Um,
1: I'm just going to say I'm the, the, the elder statesman who keeps the young buck Buckhealy in check and makes sure we're not sued and gives valuable
0: context. How's that? The system works. The system works. <laughs> all right, lads. Well, after our self-indulgence there, we'll, we'll get to the meat of today's pod. Um, of course, since Monday, this has been you know one of the most dramatic weeks, really, in Irish legal history, certainly uh, recently. So we put out to the listeners, our very loyal and uh, welcome listeners, to uh, send over any questions they might have in regard to the verdict, in regard to what happens next. So we'll just fire away, first of all. Um, the first one we have here... Is just in relation to what happens next, I suppose. Is it possible that Jerry Hutch could face different charges in relation to the Regency, such as weapons charges, member of a criminal organisation, etc., or is that him off the hook completely?
2: I, I think, uh, I think it's highly unlikely that he will face any charges in relation to the Regency. Uh, Mick certainly has had intel and written stories that Jerry Hutch is under investigation in relation to. Other uh, potential allegations of criminality, but I would be shocked just based off the, I suppose just the face of it alone, the the, the image of what it would mean to charge him again in connection with the regency. Uh, I'm not saying it's impossible because Miss Justice Tara Burns did state in her judgment uh, that it appeared as the evidence uh, did show that Jerry Hutch uh, was in control of and uh, possession of the firearms that were used uh, on the seventh of March, uh, on or before the seventh of March, um, but I think we'll come back to this later. But there is also contradictory evidence uh, in relation to Jared Hutch as well uh, around the Regency. So there's a lot of question marks there. I, I would just be surprised that there would be any appetite, um, at least in the the short period of time, to go after him in relation to the Regency. That's that's just my two cents on that, but Mick might think differently.
1: No, I think it's impossible for him to be charged. I, mm. I, I didn't. I didn't notice see this question coming. I thought you were going to ask about, and we can talk about this about another investigation into into Jerry Hutch. I think it's possible. I think that it's done and dusted for the Regency, and I think even like Jesus, Brendan Gren is is. Barristers, is a a formidable barrister, and I think if if, if they even tried this, there'd be a judicial review and everything. So, I'd be pretty happy to say that ship is sealed. I'll have to talk to a barrister. I know about. I know there is, and it's not. I know it's not technically double jeopardy because it would be a separate offence. I'd be more than happy that it's impossible for him to be charged with anything else uh, over the Regency, You know, especially after all the evidence and and everything that's come out. So, it's a hard no for me.
0: Okay, interesting. Um. Yeah, it is interesting. I uh, had another one here from Kazuchka on Twitter. I, I suspect there's going to be a few usernames that will trip me up today. Is there any remotely reasonable reason why he was charged with one thing that they couldn't prove instead of being charged with handling weapons, being a member or leader of an OCG, for example? Mick, you're frantically gesturing. I'll let you go.
1: Well, I wouldn't, geez, Jesus, Kieran, if you think that's frantic, come in into the newsroom. Um, what, what would I say? Um I I did ask somebody about this, I asked an eminent senior counsel, not somebody involved in the case, but an expert on it, because I, like everybody else, I said, well, I was wondering, why did they not charge him, you know, with possession of firearms, or why did they not just say uh, the state's case is that he was involved in the murder, or he orchestrated the murder, or he set up the murder, or whatever, and because... You, we're all laymen, so we don't really know the law like these experts do. And I, I got, I got a good answer. Actually, it was quite soon afterwards. That person said, look, they had direct evidence from Jonathan Dowdall claiming that Jerry Hutch confessed to it. And really what this barrister senior counsel said, once they had that, their opinion is they had to go for it. Now, I still find it hard to believe, but this is from a legal expert who knows their onions. So, OK, I'll, I'll defer to them. I thought I I can see the logic of the question. Maybe they didn't want to muddy the waters, and they felt they had to go for not only murder, but that he was one of the two shooters. Now that the judges obviously rejected that, but I thought it was a decent enough explanation about why why the state did what they did.
2: But on that point, like before, they had Jonathan Dowdall. They had him charged with murder, and the DPP decided to go with that charge. I think there are question marks really over why the guards didn't pursue other charges. Um, I've tried to get the answer to that as to whether there was uh, um, an appetite or, there, there, or whether there were other charges that the guards uh, sought and that, and that the DPP ultimately decided, no, we're just going with this one charge. Still don't know the answer to that, but certainly we've seen you know, evidence in the case uh, that would have suggested, you would have thought that they would have gone for firearms. Uh, or, or 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 other related charges. We don't actually know the answer. <laughs> I think it's a legitimate question to ask.
1: Oh, oh it, it totally is. And there's a couple of points. I, I think I'll, 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 I'll defer to you in this. But it didn't. Miss Justice Tarburns effectively say that she believed Jerry Hutch could have had control of, or was in control of the weapons. But that was in the seventh of March. So that's more than a month after the regency itself. Yes, and, and, and
2: but then there were complications on in in that evidence in terms of. When Jerry Hutch had control of the weapons, yes, okay, he may have been in control of the weapons on the 7th of March, but there's evidence on the tapes which contradicted the state's case that he was the person in control, the man in charge, um, because of suggesting that Jerry Hutch was trying to get the weapons off Patsy Hutch, who who supposedly had them stored in Buckingham Village and then Patsy Hutch then was in control of those weapons uh, immediately after the Regency. And then where they were before that, there's no evidence either way uh, to determine who was directly in control of the weapons at the time of the Regency. There's no evidence to suggest that Jerry Hutch was. So how do you then connect him to the crime? Um, yeah, perhaps there's other offences there. I mean, Brendan Grehan even said, while he makes no admissions on behalf of his client, uh, perhaps perhaps there's evidence there in relation to... Firearms charge, but I, I, think you're right. I think that ship has sailed. I think if they had their opportunity to charge him on that, it's gone. Now at this stage, I mean, how can you go back and prosecute him and after the fact? You know?
1: Oh, I think it would be laughed out of court. Really do. And the other point I just want to make very quickly on this, if we go back to Patrick Hutch, the nolle prosequi was entered when he was charged with murder of David Byrne. We all remember that he was also charged with possessing the three Kalashnikovs used in that. And that, the state didn't do that there. So you would think if the state alleged that Jerry Hutch shot David Byrne, and David Byrne was shot with a Kalashnikov, why did they not charge him? with You can't shoot somebody without possessing a Kalashnikov. Why did they not charge him with possessing a Kalashnikov? It doesn't make sense to a layman
2: like me. I, I, we, again, we don't know the answer. i tried to get the answer to this question. Did the guards seek to charge him with other offences? And was the DPP the person, that uh, the, the the body that made the decision, no, just one charge of murder. Um, it may well be that the DPP made that decision and the guards were seeking other charges.
1: Uh, well, well, it, well, the way it works, it's the DPP who decides. Yes. So it is. I mean, they're I mean. the law officers, so they're the ones who yeah. decide. Now, look, there are consultations all the time. I, I'll just speak generally. You know, Paul and I cover lots of murders and you'd always hear when a suspect has been uh, arrested you always hear from your sources about the guards are in contact with the DPP. There's a, there's a person on 24 hours a day and sometimes what will happen is if there's admissions or whatever, that, that off, law officer, even if it's half two in the morning, will make a direction that the charge the guards charge this person with murder. Other times it will be, right... If there's no admissions, right, let's see the paperwork, let's see the file and send the file into DPP. But it is, let's be clear about it's the DPP who decides what charges go forward. But there is consultation and there was consultation in this case.
0: Okay, very good. Um, Now, the next question is from Stephen, Brian uh, and others. But honestly, I was surprised at how regularly this question came through. So if we don't read out your name, then we do still appreciate you getting in touch. Do you think there's a possibility that Jerry Hutch and Jonathan Dowdall cooked up a plan whereby Dowdall turned state's witness for a charge that they knew they wouldn't be able to prove? Now, um, Paul, I might come to you first, <laughs> given that you were up close and personal to both of them. I, I want everybody to calm
2: down on this. Seriously, I just think that this is absolute crockery. I don't believe it for one second. Um, I would. I, <laughs> This case, uh, this is going to sound ironic from a tabloid journalist. This case is sensational enough without trying to make it even more sensational. Uh, I, I don't want to accuse people of being conspiracy theorists. I think one person did say, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. but, And a lot of people have said, I've heard this from my friend. I think this is one of these things that just got spread on WhatsApp and it's going and going and going. And people are like, Oh yeah, that makes sense that they, if they conspired together and then, you know, that Jonathan Dowdall, you know, he got a sweet deal for himself and, and Jerry Hutch got off. I I sat there and watched Jonathan Dowdall on the witness stand. I I, I took him to be a complete waffler. I don't think you could believe a single thing that he said. Um, I would be absolutely stunned if, if, in all of this, uh, him and Jerry Hutch conspired together to, to have this outcome. It's the worst possible outcome imaginable for Jonathan Dowdall. Okay, he gets uh, uh, four years in prison. All right, he didn't get a life sentence, but he has effectively a life sentence. His life is over. I mean, no matter where he goes, he'll be looking over his shoulder for the rest of his life. And not just him, his own family. like he, he, His own family are put in a position here where their lives are potentially in danger. Uh, uh, you know, they, they have to look over their shoulders. And, and I just don't see how this scenario benefits Jonathan Dowdall in any way. Of course, it benefited Jerry Hutch in the long run, but I, I, I just, even the, 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 the way that he behaved in court towards Jerry Hutch, he pointed at Jerry Hutch at one point. I can recall him saying that his life had been turned upside down because of this man. This man is the result of all of my problems. He turned on the Hutches, somebody who was great friends with Patsy Hutch and uh, I did all this for Patsy Hutch, now he's turning around and saying that the Kinnaghan-Hutch feud was started by Gary Hutch, that this was all the Hutch's fault. If he is in cahoots with the Hutch's and then and the, in the exact same uh, sentence is turning around and, ter- and turning on them and saying they're to blame for the feud that's caused a, untold misery and 18 people to be murdered, I just don't see it. I think it's... A bit fantastical. I obviously I know it, people want to kind of believe it because it sounds great, but I I just think it's complete and utter crap. Did I get my point across? Yeah, there's,
1: one, <laughs> I, there's a couple of one thing that I think is fantastical is the possible risk to Dowdall if he goes abroad and starts a new life abroad. Say, for example, if it was the Kinahan cartel that was going after him, if anybody goes after him, if it was the Kinahan cartel, they have a worldwide reach, and we know that. And we know that there the is a Hutch crime gang. The, uh, Superintendent, Detective Superintendent Dave Gallagher from Doc B gave evidence in the trial, and Miss Justice Tara Burns spoke about the existence and the activities of the Hutch organised crime gang. So they're, they're an organised crime gang. But as I said the other day, the Hutch organised crime gang are nothing compared to the Kinhins. And I know who I would rather have after me. if uh, For example, if Doddle goes to Australia or someone like that, and starts a new life, I have no doubt that the Hutch crime gang would not have the cap- capability to go after Dowdall in Australia. So, you know, that's something that we need We need to accept as well. If, if you know, if he starts his life abroad, I think he'll largely be safe in the, and the Hutch gang will not be able to go after him, really.
2: Are you saying that you possibly believe this conspiracy theory a little bit, that it's possible? No,
1: no I... No, what I'm saying is, I, I, you covered the case, you saw the interactions. I listened to the, the 10 R tapes, and that's grand, and he, he, Doddle does come across as a waffer. <coughs> Excuse me. But I did speak to one rather well-placed investigator, not on the, the investigation here, but he would have a, a good view of things, and he is certainly very sceptical about it. He's, certain, he's not talking about Jerry Hutch. He's talking about Dowdall's activities himself. And he's very cynical about Dowdall. So he would have a suspicion about that, yeah, that Dowdall was playing a game.
2: I, I definitely think Dowdall was playing a game. And there, there there are legitimate questions still over his activities in January of 2016 and the, the types of persons that he was hanging about with. He, he's certainly not a squeaky clean individual. He was dealing with some serious figures. um, And and even in my interviews with Shane Roan, Shane Roan said that the only person that he dealt with throughout all of this was Jonathan Dowdall. You know, Shane Roan went down to get the weapons. I'm not saying he wasn't capable of manipulating situations to suit himself. Clearly he did in terms of he got his murder charge dropped and that was clearly his motive. But to then take that extra step and say that him and Jerry Hutch were in cahoots and that he then agreed to turn state witness in order to benefit both of them, I just don't see it. There's no evidence there. And also that the threat, the threat of the Kinnahans as well, I don't think that will ever go away. He's on that tape saying that he can make bombs. He's talking about blowing up Trevor Burn. I mean, I just think, I just think he's in a, a highly compromised position. I, w- I I would be amazed. I would be amazed if they had that level of wherewithal to conspire between the two of them to do that.
1: No, I no, I didn't say that, Paul. I'm, I'm not talking about Jerry. And I've made that clear. Yeah. I'm not talking about. No, I'm not suggesting you, you are. I'm talking involved. about. No, no, everyone no, else's theory. All I'm, I, I'm just. I, but I do trust this person and mm. this person has a very good overview of mm. things and that person is very cynical about Dowdall. And look, Paul, I know you say this and you're right. You know, he, Dowdall is in a bad place, but doing 20, 20 years in Port Alicia Prison or wherever is, is a much worse place than he he will ever be. So Dowdall is a person of interest to me. It's, it's a, just the way, the way he did things. And he went from life potential life. What, what is the maximum sentence for facilitating a murder? Is it five years? I, I think it is. But he got four. He'll serve three because he gets 25% remission like everybody else. Three years in the clink is much better than, as we know, at the minute, life sentence prisoners on average serve 20 years. Now, average means some are higher, some are lower. But there, um, just this person was very, very cynical about what Jonathan Dowdall did for quite a long time. And I would suspect that a lot of guardia are ER as well.
0: There's, there's just a couple of things I would say briefly. Sorry, I, I know you know I'm here to facilitate, but just on on these. No, points, no, not Go ahead. Yeah. Um, this is all played on the background of we know what the conviction rates are within the special. You know, this is not a jury case where you're liable to be able to persuade people one way or another a little bit more. These are three seasoned judges, and actually, part of the reason that Monday was so dramatic was because everyone was expecting conviction due to the fact not due to the fact solely but largely uh, in part at least because of the the conviction rates within the special criminal court so that's a massively high wire act that they would be playing there and certainly just to reiterate because i'm i'm wary that a lot of the listeners wouldn't have been in court at any stage even just the day that i was there it was writ large over Dowdall's face the stress that he was under the absolute stress that he was under now obviously you could explain it away that you know they're trying to pull this thing off I just don't believe it this man was in the middle of a triangle potentially between the Hutchers the Kennans, and also the RA like I mean this is this is it's difficult to overstate the threat to Jonathan Dowdle that was there and that is there now I,
1: I, I don't understand I, I don't understand what, what, what your point there is Kieran um, you're, you're saying that he didn't have the wherewithal to get himself out of the hole. I think he did get himself out of a very, very big hole.
0: Sorry, just to, just to clarify, what what I mean is the uh, the it, it, it's literally just the body language that was on show from Jonathan Dowdle when he was on that stand. I don't think this was body language that was coming from the fact they're trying to pull off some kind of heist. This was someone who is under extreme pressure from having stern, turned state's witness, and you Know it is now in the middle of a, a maelstrom,
1: yeah. And no, I'm, I look, I know all the conspiracy stuff, and I'm not saying he and Jerry, I want to be clear about that. I'm not saying that for a second, but yeah. But but Dowdall is bogey, and Dowdall was interested in one thing, and that was saving his own skin. Is that fair? I mean, can we agree on that? Yeah, I think that
2: I, I think that's that's totally fair and completely that that's manifestly obvious, yeah. I mean, he and he clearly did stand to benefit and the judges found that as well uh, in giving the evidence that he did he got his murder charge dropped but I just don't know if I would take it that to to answer the questions that we got from several people as to whether he would him and Jerry Hutch would then be in cahoots I don't see any evidence for that
1: no no, I don't believe that for a second but I do there are huge question marks over dialogue for me and look I mean you know Jesus the judge eviscerated him you know so and you know Kieran has made a very good point the conviction rate is so high. So if you're in doubt shoes and you're facing life, if you get convicted of murder, you're going to start, you know, thinking of ways to avoid that, aren't you? That's all I'll say. Look, I mean, there's some guards who are very cynical about that man. But look, I went through the courts and it is what it is.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'd say we can, so we can crack on from there. But thank you. Thank you for your uh, answers and thank you again for the question. So this uh, came from uh, someone anonymous on Twitter who uh, says, How were they not 100% certain that Jerry Hutch wasn't in the country during the time of the attack? Surely the Guardie could check passport records. Now, passport records is (laughs) potentially a a somewhat fraught thing when it comes to Jerry Hutch. So I wonder if either of you would like to say this. You
1: you can, the the Guardie, well, they'd have to maybe do a bit of mutual assistance, but maybe, you know, he could have flown in via the north. We know that he uses different airports. You would think maybe... They would try and get his phone records or there would have been cctv And maybe, i don't know but i'm guessing that there were none to get or that they couldn't get stuff over the line they, you know you would think that if they had that it would be a key plank and they would show it so you know occam's razor would tell you if they didn't introduce and they didn't have them
2: yeah there wasn't there was no evidence there, there was no evidence presented in the trial at all either way about the whereabouts of jerry hutch and um so it's kind of impossible for us to really know ourselves either where he was. Uh, the guards didn't present evidence to say we know he was X, Y, Z. Um, so, yeah, I don't really know how to answer the question beyond that. I, um, But that was a huge question mark in the case. I kept thinking we were going to get to a point where on either side, either in the defence, you know, uh, that Jerry Hutch would call a witness to say, well, I, I was in... I was in, you know, the the somewhere with Jerry Hutch on that day at that time, but there was none of that. And then on the prosecution side of things, there was no evidence. It just simply wasn't their case. And it wasn't up to Jerry Hutch to, I suppose, um, have to explain that. He he only has to uh he doesn't have to prove anything. The prosecution only had to prove their case, and that was it. Um so we're still none the wiser. But I remember Miss Justice Tara Burns did state in her judgment, um, that there was evidence on the tape that suggested that Jared Hutch actually could have been out of the country at the time uh, based off the conversations that they were having. But again, we, we've not seen evidence either way.
1: But you, you know what I'm saying there, lads? Look, yeah. if, if it's a key plank of the state weapon or armoury in this case and it's not presented, the logical conclusion is that they didn't have anything to, that they thought that they could bring to the court. I mean, that, that's
0: quite clear.
2: Yeah, they didn't even seem to have his phone or any phone connected with him, which I thought was bizarre, but there you go.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, now there's a few in kind of, uh, you know, random enough order here. So I'll just rattle through them. This one's quite interesting. I think it might, uh, might let the listeners peek behind the curtain a little bit. Have you or will you reach out to Jerry for an interview? Now that would be a blockbuster podcast. That's what i going to say.
2: Yeah, yes, absolutely. Um but is he gonna talk? I don't know. Is he gonna to talk to us? Probably not. Uh, but sure, if, if uh, Mr. Hutch, if you are listening somehow, uh, we'd be happy to talk to you, but <laughs> tell it somehow. Um, yeah, I think he's a cute character. I mean, he only ever did that one famous television interview uh, with Paul Reynolds, RTE, 2008. And everybody kind of re- remembers that famous interview because of the way that he carried himself in it, uh, and it was, was just extraordinary. I think if he's going to do an interview again, it'll be something like that. I think he'll do a long form television interview. Um, having said that, you know, I think he's probably at the moment just thinking how great it is to be um, free and uh, like we were just talking about how in the case he never had to present any any defence. You know, he never had to get get up on the stand and and. Say where he was, etc., and uh, maybe maybe he might decide he's better off not saying anything. It was quite clear when he came out of the court that he intended to say nothing. He kept his mouth shut. The, the amount of questions that were thrown at him was ridiculous. I think normally, as when you're doorstepping somebody, after you don't get an answer on the fifth question, you you've accepted the person's not talking. But uh, people didn't give up because, of course, uh, people are interested in what he has to say. I'm giving a very long answer here myself, but I would love to talk to him. We have made efforts to try and speak to him, Um, but uh, we're also, um, I I made a decision not to knock on his front door uh, in the residence that he's residing in. I think that, that's fair, given the circumstances. I doubt very much. In fact, I I believe he's not answering the door. Why would he <laughs> um, I, if he was walking in the street? I think it's fair game to approach him, um, and maybe somebody will. But uh, efforts have been made on my part. Can't speak for Mick. I'm sure there are plenty of other reporters who've made efforts over the past couple of days, and he hasn't so far given an interview, and I'd be surprised if
1: he did. If he does, he does. There's We can't control what Mr. Hutch does, and that's it.
0: Absolutely. All right. There's one from Eamon here. And uh, with some of these questions, there are going to be speculation kind of on behalf of the listeners, which we might have to, you know, uh, bear in mind. So uh, how come the DPP and the senior guardian missed so many basic facts in this evidence? It looked to be a trial built on desperation more than evidence. Um, now, obviously, Eamon hasn't spoken about any particular facts there. So I suppose you might just spool back a little and think, uh, you know, Were there there any aspects of the trial that we felt were underplayed or or not played enough or whatever that might be?
1: The DPP is a legal expert herself and she has legal experts all around her. And the DPP also regularly, I don't know what happened in this case, but also, but do you remember we were speaking the other day about that celebrity who was arrested for uh, rape and the, the, the DPP decided not to charge? My information in that case was that the DPP asked a senior counsel from outside to look at it and they do that the, the office does that so you know it's not their first rodeo right and again you know we're not experts in law we're very good at court reporting and we have a decent knowledge of various things but we're not experts in law okay but they are and they made a decision and i can only assume that there were and, and i do know that there were plenty of round table meetings between the senior guards and senior members of the dpp and that's what happened so they obviously decided and the law officer decided this was the route they were going to do we're not privy to the whole discussion complex but i don't think it was naivety on their part on this it was they made a professional decision and sometimes it goes for them and sometimes it doesn't but they are very very they, i know from other cases they they're, they're they're very very rigorous in looking at cases and looking at what's for and what's, to get, what's against it, it just didn't go for them. It, that's it, really.
2: Yeah, I don't really have much to add to what Mick has, uh, said. Uh, I would agree. Um, I think it was a meticulous guard investigation. I think there, were, uh, there was an awful lot of, of, of evidence um, procured. Um, I think they just sought the wrong charge, quite simply. Um, but I think that there's there were bucket loads of evidence uh, in this case maybe perhaps in relation to other allegations and in particular, other people. And I think if another person had been on the stand, won't say who they are. But there there was a, a huge amount of evidence um, where you could probably uh, prosecute a very, very strong case, I would say.
1: And and just remember, the DPP ordered the, the charging of Jerry Hutch before Jonathan Dowdall, you know, turned, became a state witness. So in other words, that was effectively because of the, the tapes and whatever evidence they had. Now, I, 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 talk, I think there might be a question about this, but for me, Doyle's evidence was crucial in what the state alleged. And the state's case was that Jerry Hutch pers- you know was one of two people who shot David Byrne. So you know that changed things. But the DPP had decided, without the evidence of Jonathan Doyle, to charge Jerry Hutch with murder. So you know that should be an indicator. Yeah.
2: I, I do wonder, you know, prior to Dowdall, they were still prosecuting a murder case. So when when the prosecution counsel got up on the stand and presented the case, um, you know, he said our our case is that he was one of the shooters. He wouldn't have said that then. What would he have said? Our case is that he plotted the regency. Was that going to be their case? What was going to be their case? It's hard to to. to...
1: Well, I can give you an analysis. It's called common cause or common common design. So, if say if the three of us decide to murder Paul Healy for crimes against journalism, (laughs) and Kieran pulls the trigger, but I tell Kieran to do it, then I can be done for murder as well. You know what I mean? So it's not just a shooter. Like if you think,
2: well, that's interesting because the judges did find that there were problems with common design as well, because there was evidence to show. That he wasn't aware of very key things um, and that he could have been out of the country, etc. I won't rehearse it all, but she did actually cover that area of common design and that there were problems even with that allegation. So, I mean, does that show us that even in the absence of doubt all, they would have found him not guilty, more than likely?
1: Do you have another slightly uh, uh, different example? But, you know, think about Michael Barr, who was murdered. Three people have been convicted of that murder now. But there were only two shooters, only two. You know what I mean. So it's so if you're part of a, a group that commits a murder, you can all be charged. Okay.
0: Well, first of all, I'm actually I'm quite raging that you um, have given up our plot to murder Paul on the podcast. That was a bit of a that's a bit of a pain uh, in the ass. You know. And and I'm also raging that you think I'm in your thrall somehow. But that we'll I know on. it, Bradley. Um, I know it. Anyway, so. <laughs> Just um, we we now, we we got quite a few questions in relation to Patsy Hutch now. It's worth reiterating at the beginning of this, Patsy Hutch is not before the courts. Um, he was mentioned significantly in the case, and that's worth bearing in mind whenever we get into any of this stuff. One we had here was, has the DPP not already received or reviewed a file on other Hutch members such as Patsy? Given that, this is the questioner's emphasis, given there's no real new evidence came out in the trial that Cardi didn't already know, I'm wondering how the likes of Patsy could suddenly now be faced with a charge. I, you see,
1: right, here's the, the issue. We get to hear bits and pieces and you, you have to rely on your sources to tell you things. So there, it may have been there was a file sent in relation to Patsy. I, I don't think so myself, OK? I have to be honest. So... um It may happen. Who knows? Look, you know. Yeah, it's pretty strong for a judge to say, for Ms. Justice Terry Burns to to say what she did. But I don't think. I, I I look. I think their top target was Jerry Hutch, and they wanted him. And I think, I think their strategy was: if the court convicts Jerry Hutch, then we will go for the domino effect. And there will be other people because look, Miss Justice Burns did say that there were twelve people involved in this murder. Murder. So I think the whole strategy was get Jared, Jerry Hutch first. We'll see what happens after that. And and I'll tell you, I honestly think you know maybe there was a view if the state accept, if the judges accept Jonathan Doudle's evidence, which which he didn't. I mean, they, they they destroyed him. But I think if they accepted Jonathan Doudle's evidence for Jerry Hutch, they would use him for several other people.
2: Yeah, it, it, it's, this is the problem. Uh, the guards have said that the, the investigation remains live. Um, and they've said that, that I suppose, to assure the public, you know, are you still looking into this? Because, you know, certain names have come up in this trial where people have asked the genuine question. Uh, for example, Patsy, who we're talking about, uh, why wasn't he charged? But as you've just raised, the evidence in this trial now has been found to be problematic. Well, the evidence of Jonathan Dowdall in particular. Uh, so how do you then turn that evidence back around and and use it against another individual? You would think they have perhaps a very strong case that that evidence was not accepted, but it the the tapes, um, uh, there there I, I think there's a possibility that they could be used again, but the evidence of the NSU uh, in the the investigation um, where it led them to the Malahide industrial estate and Shane Roan and Patsy Hutch met up and the transfer of the weapons there. I think that's very, very strong evidence uh, that was accepted by the judges beyond all reasonable doubt that those events occurred. Um, I, th- I think that's still pretty strong evidence and that could be that could be utilized again in a potential future case but yeah definitely I don't see them ever using it Jonathan Dowdo is useless to them they'll ne- they'll never use him again
1: not not a chance but even that evidence you're talking about Paul that's what is it ex post facto, facto Proctor and all that stuff it's after the event really isn't it it's after so could it be a maximum of a firearm possessing firearms charges I mean can, will they be able to prove where the guns were before the murder that's I think that's a big issue
2: i I think you're right. I think if they had convicted Jerry Hutch of murder they would have they would have gone after so many more people on the basis of all that evidence. We can use doubt all again. we can use the tapes again because it's been proven in court and and therefore we can get <laughs> x amount of people. I'm just trying to figure out the twelve here the alleged twelve and who they are uh and I think I got up to eleven. there's one I'm missing um the dirty dozen as as they're called. <laughs>
1: Didn't we, know the, um, didn't we know back in the day, didn't we have a, a very good idea? Because remember, we did the story about 12. Remember, I was talking about it the other day that it was, it, was, it was coming from sources on the Kenyan side that I think they had 12 names. And I think there was a suspicion that they had identified them all, basically.
2: Yeah, I'm, try, I'm actually trying to tot them up here. I'll come back to it because I want to name them all.
0: <laughs> There's an interesting one here that comes, it's kind of running parallel to this uh, line of thought. If an individual was to be charged, surely he wouldn't get a fair trial. Sorry, this is Al uh, on Twitter. If an individual was to be charged, surely he wouldn't get a fair trial given the comments by the judge and the articles in the newspaper. Mick, what do you Okay, think? so
1: Mr Justice Paul Carney, uh, a deceased high court judge, he was a criminal judge. There was a, an effort in relation to Do you remember the, the Limerick feud, early noughties, and when the Carthy Dundons and stuff, and there was a, a, one of the murders there and it was high profile and there was an attempt to have... The prosecution halted because of prejudicial media coverage and it was thrown out. And Mr Justice Paul Carney, God love him, God rest him, spoke about the robustness of the Irish jury, and we should always remember that. Okay, but the complicating factor here is there is no uh, if if somebody else is charged. For me, it's highly likely it will go to the Special Criminal Court, and there, as we know, there are no juries in the Special Criminal Court. So look, this prejudice is something that we as journalists have to be very mindful of. And my best guidance and the best chats I've had was, it's very hard to prejudice something before a charge. Okay, Uh, Charlie Hawhey uh, was charged with an offence and that was was booted out because of prejudicial statements, but that was after a charge. So the way we always say this, when someone is charged, the shutters come down. And, you know, uh, you might want to talk about Twitter in a while, but we always get sort of social media questions about various, you know, live cases at the minute. And it's why... Journalists like us, this is different because it's before a non-jury, but we are always very, very careful not to talk about something whenever somebody has appeared in court charged with a serious offence, which we know is going to go to a jury. And that's one thing. So prejudice, people always talk about prejudice and stuff. Journalists journalists don't prejudice cases because we don't talk about things afterwards. It's beforehand. And it has been tried and it hasn't worked. So if somebody is charged, my view, it'll go to the special and there won't be any issue with prejudice.
2: Yeah, well, look at the case of Jerry Hutch. It's a very, very good example. Actually, in the end, of how uh, the judges cannot be prejudiced. He's been found not guilty. Um, he got a fair trial. Um, but Jerry Hutch is probably one of the most written about uh, gangland figures there is. How how much has been written and said about him? Um, he might have been able. Might have argued, I can't get a fair trial because I've been accused of being a mob boss, etc. And yet he did. So that's proof that it does work.
1: And I'll also say there are two presiding judges in the Special Criminal Court, Miss Justice Tara Burns and then Mr Justice Tony Hunt. He does an awful lot of Special Criminal Court cases as well. He's the presiding judge. And he said himself, I think it was last year, there was something, uh, maybe it was about media coverage, and he goes, judges can't be prejudiced. Effectively, that's what he said. It, it's not the So, you know, judges know their onions when it comes to the law and uh, the special criminal court ones, especially, so they're quite they're they're always very maybe dismissive or relaxed about media coverage. I find because it's they're in charge of the case, they have seisin, of it, I think the words is, and they just tend to ignore media coverage, really, for the special I anyway. Mean.
2: And they said, as such, uh, said said that in the trial, actually, that they that they don't follow the coverage.
1: We're irrelevant to them.
0: <laughs> um, th- this is an interesting one here that came through anonymously. Um, do you think the tape evidence, which was questionable if eligible to be used against Jerry, did in fact assist in returning his non-guilty verdict? Not guilty verdict. Sorry, uh, a few times the judge seemed to refer to aspects of the tape that actually proved Jerry had a disassociation with the direct murder. I should say this is the uh, the emphasis of the the, the listener themselves. Third person references, etc., even being in the country, etc. I'd be interested to get your take on that. Lad. Yes,
1: I'll talk about this very briefly. Yeah, I agree with Paul. Uh, look. You know, the judge obviously, and just to explain, so it was the NSU surveillance bug. It was fitted in a car in Dublin. The car that went, Jerry Hutch and John and Doddle then went up to Strabane via Belfast and they had their 10 hour conversation, and the judge. There was a challenge to the northern part of that because it was outside the the jurisdiction. The the judge ruled that it was illegal, that evidence, but let it in. And, you know, so she took the whole 10-hour conversation and it would be very hard to divorce any of it. I mean, she obviously took it as a global package and it's clear that it worked in Jerry Hutch's favour, as you say, the the third person and all that sort of stuff. So I think the whole tape worked for Jerry Hutch.
2: Yes, I was surprised to see the level of forensic detail uh, that the judges went into in relation to the tapes to... Disprove that he was guilty of murder. Um, I would have thought that that. I mean, I, I mean, I mean that that shows you the the, the 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 level of detail they went into examining this. For to give an example, um, there's a conversation between Jonathan Dowdall and Jerry Hutch uh, about what happened at the Regency, and Jerry Hutch mistakenly refers to David Byrne as Liam Byrne, and the judges even stated that you know if you've murdered. David Byrne, if you actually fired the shots that killed him, you're not going to get his name wrong. And there seem to be several examples of him having a disassociation and not really knowing too much about the incident. And in particular, the aftermath, she said, if you were involved in the plotting, the planning of, or involved in the direct shooting, you would have a, a, a good involvement and interest in the Garda investigation. And yet, Hutch appears to be on the tapes, asking Jonathan Dowdall for updates as to uh, the garden investigation in particular the raid on patsy hutch's home he knew nothing or he seems to know nothing about that on the tape and the search in buckingham village and uh, he mentions he speaks about who carried out the regency in the third person um there's lots of examples um on the tapes to, to show that he just doesn't seem to have the knowledge that he should have if he was so directly involved so yes to answer that person's question the tapes do go a long way towards uh, um, um, assisting Jerry Hutch's case that he was that he was innocent of the of the crime of murder.
1: And can I just come in very quickly? Now that the dust has settled, we're recording this on, on Friday, so it's almost it's five days afterwards. I just want to say I, I thought that the way the judge really deconstructed Diotal's claims about the meeting in, in the park, and and it felt and the way she Ellenfield Park, the way the judge really. De- deconstructed, I thought it was fantastic, even things you know, how could he get the day wrong you know, if he, this man had been involved in a murder and somebody had said, I did this I carried out a murder, or I shot me and another fella shot David Byrne, you'd think that would stick in your head you know, it's like the whole thing, you know I remember where I was exactly when 9-11 happened, you know, you know there are things that stick in your mind, and I would venture somebody said, I shot a guy, dead would stick in your mind so I thought the judge, you know, to be fair, it was really, really, I thought it was excellent, just the whole deconstruction of it and bringing her legal mind. Remember, Paul, I was saying to you about, we were talking about her, that the judge will see things that we never will. And I thought that was a classic example of it. because She brought all her legal expertise to go, uh-uh, you know, and it was really forensic. And that's from all her experience and stuff. So that it is something that does bear speaking about just the, 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 the knowledge that she brought to that and, you know, we want to work for jerry was- yeah
2: i mean huge a huge amount of of knowledge i mean we were at that we were at this case every day and we thought we understood those tapes inside out and the evidence inside out and yet she was able to uncover things that are only when she said them it was like it was an aha moment of oh yeah sure that makes sense i mean it, i mean they really did examine it forensically
0: all right that's your lot for today keep an eye on your feeds over the next couple of days for the next parts of this episode If you like what you've heard, feel free to subscribe to Shattered Lives wherever you get your podcasts. Speak soon.